Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit hellofreedomchurch.com. It is great to see all of you here today, just in the house of the Lord. I want to welcome all of our family in Crookston, Pastor Joel and Ellie, the leadership team in... Hello, dear. Mary, you're looking beautiful today. I saw her before I left the house. Okay. And Mary's in Crookston today and really excited just all that the Lord is doing there in that community and, and just through Freedom Church, a number of wonderful churches there. I'm so thankful to be a part of, of that. Well, as you know, we're presently going through a series of sermons entitled Raising Jesus, Lessons from Mary and Joseph. And obviously it's a series, really, it's really targeting parents, but I believe it's much more than that. And so you're like, well, I don't have kids, and I don't know if I ever will have kids. Well, tune in, because I believe there's takeaways for all of us, for every one of us. Uh, In this uh, series of sermons, we're looking at Luke chapter 2, and so follow along with me on the screen or in in your scripture that you have there in your hand. Luke 2.41, it says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem, Jesus' parents, speaking of Mary and Joseph. They went there every year at the Feast of the Passover, And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it. This could be a problem, right? But they, verse 44, but supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When after they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and at his answers. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And I know the story continues. We'll pick up the rest of that story next week. But I want to take a moment just to, this, to stop here and really specifically on verse 48. And when they saw him, when Mary and Joseph saw Jesus, the Bible says they were astonished. My version, New American Standard Bible that I'm reading from says they were astonished. When we think of the word astonished, what do you think of? When I think of the word astonished, I think of a little bit of ah. A little bit of wonder. Uh, like, wow, look at that. That's amazing. A little bit of like I am just so pleasantly surprised. I'm just like, I'm astonished. That's, that's beautiful. It's maybe like to the young moms, it's maybe like when your little girl has her first dance recital and you got her hair all pulled up on the top of her head and she got this little, you know, frilly tutu and she gets up on the platform and she twirls and twists and she does this thing and you're like, ah, and you're like, oh, your heart is so warm. Like, ah, you know, I'm just so, she's amazing. Or, or young, you know, young dad, maybe when your, your son is, you know, his first basketball game, and he's like six years old, and he grabs the ball and starts running and then throws down a dribble and takes another, you know, five steps and maybe another dribble and then launches the ball, and somehow it goes through the hoop, and, hoop and you're like, oh, this is amazing. I mean, there's a sense of like, ah, oh, there's a sense of like, I'm just so pleased. I'm just like surprised, pleasantly surprised. You're astonished. And the scholars who translated at least the, 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 the version, New American Standard that I'm reading from, when, they, when they, they describe, they use this word to describe Mary and Joseph's feelings when they found their son after he had been lost for three days. Astonished. 
And I, I, I understand, and I think there's certainly, there's certainly some, it relates, but, but just so you know, according to the commonly accepted understanding of this word, according to in our vernacular, that's not how Joseph and Mary felt. To help us better understand, like, how did they feel? I think we need to read the rest of the verse. When they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. The word anxious, to be anxious. This word in the original language speaks of intense pain, anguish, or to be tormented. It's really, it's really pretty amazing. So it says, Mary says to, to Jesus, why have you treated this way? Because your father and I have been tormented over your loss. Because for three days, we didn't know where you were, you know, their 12-year-old son. And we feel intense pain and anguish. And it's really interesting, I think, to note that this word in the New Testament, uh, in the Greek New Testament, is only used by Luke, the physician, in the book of Luke and in the book of Acts. And again, it means to feel intense pain, anguish, and to be torment. If you've ever lost a child, you can relate, right? If you ever lost a child for even just a split second in the mall, I told a story, you know, a week, in the past couple of weeks about our grandson. I remember a number of years ago, our oldest son was 12, and I had a conference in Washington, D.C., and so I said, hey, Mary, let's just take our kids. So we took our three boys and 12, 10, and 8, and we took them to Washington, D.C., and it was the last night of our conference. The conference was downtown Washington, D.C., and, and they have this thing called the Metro. I remember when we got them, like, I went up to the lady at the Metro booth and said, we don't have these in North Dakota. Could you help me know how do you do these things? And they, they explained, this is how you do it. And anyway, it was the last Metro to leave downtown Washington, D.C. that evening, and so people were just thronging to get on here. We all got on the Metro, and we began to take off. It stopped for a split second and then took off again. And Mary was like, there's Stephen. There's our 12-year-old son. We just left him downtown like Washington, D.C., 11 o'clock at night, and this is the last metro to leave downtown. And we're like, no, like, what are we going to do? I mean, I, like, I don't know what to do. Well, we're going to have to get home. Once we get, it was like a half hour ride to get to the, you know, to the hotel we were staying at on this metro. I'm going to have to rent a car. I'm going to have to go back. And I don't, where do I look for a son in downtown Washington, D.C.? This doesn't, this doesn't feel very good. And there were some people that, that we knew that were from that area, and we said, you know, what do you think we should do? They said, well, it was, kind of, it was kind of odd because the metro did stop for a split second and took off. And so we got to our stop, we walked out, and here we had been on, it was, it was one solid train, but we were on the first car, and then from the back car comes this 12-year-old kid just like walking down, like, no, hey, Mom, hey, Dad. I'm like, Stephen, like, you can't do that. He says, well, Dad, I was, said, I was just trying to be kind to let people on. I'm like, you can't be kind in Washington, D.C., okay? <laughs> in North Dakota, you can be kind, but you can't be kind. You've got to push it. You've got to get on that thing. I mean, during that time, I mean, I'm just like, I mean, like, we're so scared. Like, what are we going to do? This is a North Dakota kid in, in Washington, D.C., and that's, that's a little bit like what Mary and Joseph, with great grief and pain and torment, they're searching for Jesus. And when they saw him, they were astonished. Not like, oh, we're so glad to see you, honey. You know, and like, where have you been? 
I mean, they're, they're, it's not some warm, fuzzy feeling of awe and a pleasant surprise to catch you here in the temple. You know, look at our son, Joseph. Isn't he amazing? The word astonished in the literal translation means to strike out or to be driven away. To be driven away literally means to be driven out of your senses. To be overwhelmed. It means to be thrown into a maze or a labyrinth, if that's how I say that word. To be thrown into a maze or a labyrinth. And when Joseph and Mary saw Jesus in the temple, they were thrown, according to the scripture, they were thrown into this maze of emotion. They were thrown into this, this maze, like emotions flood them. They're like, like, oh, he's okay, I feel joy. How could you do this to us? Like, I'm a little bit angry at you, Jesus. Uh, but then grief, but then relief, and then frustration, and like disappointment. I mean, like all of these emotions are so great, like, like, like they don't know how to feel or what's, what's, what's emotion they should pursue. Have you, seen the, have you seen the videos of, I'm sure you have because there's so many of them out there, of like the military dad that's been on a TDY for a year and then he comes home and he, his, his, his kids don't know him so he surprises his kid at school at a sporting event and that little boy sees his dad in military fatigues and he's just like, and like, like he doesn't know what to do and all of a sudden it's just like, he gives way to tears because there's this flood of emotion. That's a little bit like Mary and Joseph. When they see him, they're like, he's safe, he's okay. I mean, and they're flooded with, just flooded with emotions. And mother, mother, the Mary, the Mary, the, excuse me, Mary, the mother of Jesus, responds in the middle of all this, and she says, this is so striking. She says, son, how could you do this to us? Your father and I had been looking for you everywhere, and I love how the word of God so accurately captures human emotion and thought. Son, why have you treated us this way? She didn't say, are you okay? I mean, obviously he was okay. He was, in, he was at the church, and if you're to lose a kid, that's a great place to find him, right? And so, but it wasn't, are you okay? Mary's response, think about this. How could you do this to us? Why would you do this to us? Don't you really, did you ever think, Jesus, that maybe your mom and dad might just be a little bit worried about you? How could you do this to us? Do you know what you've put us through? That was Mary's very human response, huh? And when I read this portion of the story, it makes me think a little bit like, you know what? As parents, I think, I think we're gonna be okay. Because Mary and Joseph, we know we're raising a perfect child, right? Mary and Joseph, they're raising a perfect child. He was perfect, without sin, no rebellion, no headstrong resistance to authority, nothing. And yet Jesus, in spite of his perfection, caused his parents an incredible amount of distress and anguish. And if that was Jesus, the perfect one, then if our imperfect, our imperfect children, right? We all have imperfect, if our imperfect children cause us distress and concern, anxiety, maybe it's not a reflection of our children, maybe it's not even a reflection of our parenting abilities, maybe it's just a reflection of what it is to be a mom or dad and loving a child. As parents, we're gonna experience a flood of emotion, joy and fear, excitement, frustration, pride, worry, all of it. But I think about Jesus, and like, you know what? He turned out pretty good, didn't he? Even when his parents lost him. 
as I look at this story, so oftentimes I'll share three points or five points or whatever, but today there's one point I want to share with you. The focus of our attention on one thought, and that is this, that we can trust God with our children. And I could throw in their grandchildren or great-grandchildren. I want you to know today, moms and dads and those watching in Crookston, I want you to know, whoever you're at, I want you to know that we can trust God. We can really, really trust God with our children. For three days, Jesus was lost. That's a long time. And as a result, as we talked about, it caused a lot of grief, a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry for Mary and Joseph. And as I was just thinking about this, I felt the Lord just kind of leading me in this direction today. This may not relate to everybody, but I believe there are numerous people that it will today. And today, perhaps, maybe you feel like your child is lost. They're not lost geographically. I mean, you know where they are. You know where they're at. It's not lost in a sense that you don't know where they're at, but more so in a way that they have strayed from the way that you brought them up. And in that sense, they're lost. For all practical purposes, they're lost. And as a parent, it's a really, really hard place to be. It's hard when our children are lost. And today, maybe with where your child is at, you too may be feeling some fear, some anxiety, maybe a rush of just of, of worry and frustration, some anger, disappointment, shame, guilt, who knows what all those different feelings may be. But it doesn't mean that you've, I think it's important to know, it doesn't mean that you've necessarily done something wrong. Was it Mary's fault that Jesus got lost? I don't know. Was it Joseph's fault? Was it Jesus' fault? I mean, who's to blame for this, right? That's what we always want to blame somebody. As I've thought about it, I think, I don't know who's, I don't know who's to blame. What I do know is there was obviously, in my opinion, a, a great communication breakdown somewhere amongst Joseph, Mary, and perfect Jesus. Somewhere, somewhere through that whole thing, there's some communication got broke down. Maybe Jesus was yelling out to, hey, Dad, I'm gonna hang back a little bit. I'll catch up with you later. And Joseph was too, like, tied in with his buddies. You know, as I, as I study this, I think it was more of this social kind of uh, event because they're traveling from Nazareth to Jerusalem and now from Jerusalem back to Nazareth, a couple days journey. And so they weren't in separate, like, isolated cars. They were all traveling together. And so what I see is, like, Mary is probably, Joseph, I'm gonna hang out with some of the girls, some of my friends, and I'll meet up with you tonight. And Joseph's like, that sounds great. I'm gonna hang out with my guys. And so they're just walking together. They get to the end of the day, and Mary finally finds Joseph. Says, where's Jesus? And Joseph says, what do you mean, where's Jesus? I thought he was with you. With me, I'm the one that told you this morning, like, be sure that you like, like know where Jesus is. And Joseph says, what? I thought you said that I know where Jesus is and I got him. Huh? Anybody been there? And Joseph says, Mary, you're always complaining. 12 years ago you were complaining when we came to Jerusalem on the donkey and now you're still complaining. Can, can, can I ever do anything right? And Joseph said, let's just get going. I mean, I, I don't know what took place. I know there was a breakdown of communication somewhere. Somewhere. Whose fault was it? I don't know whose fault it was. But I know this, that, that, that when children 
struggle or they choose a path, it, it, maybe it's not away from the Lord, maybe it is, but when they choose a path that maybe we don't agree with, so oftentimes we look in the mirror and we say, yeah, it's because, it, and we point a finger at ourselves because of the guilt and the condemnation, the blame, and says it's because it's your fault. And I guess I don't want to be too raw this morning, but I know after the accident of our son with his motorcycle accident, and I know that that was something that I played out over and over. Nathan, you're the one. I mean, I got a motorcycle when I was in fifth grade, and I've had him, I had him for years and years, and I introduced him to our boys, and that whole guilt, Nathan, that's your fault. Had you not done that, he wouldn't be where he's at. Why, did, why didn't you teach him better? Why didn't you do this? And through God's help, I mean, it really helped me to step beyond that. And certainly there are other times when our children do something, we're like, why are you doing that? Like, how could this happen? As an, maybe they're adult children, maybe they're a small child. And we can struggle with those things of guilt and shame. And I remember it was one of those times, I remember God saying to me so clearly, he says, Nathan, do you think that you're a better parent than I am? And I said, God, of course, I'm no, there's no way I'm a better father than you are, God. I mean, you're the best. You're the eternal father. You're the heavenly father. I, I'm, I mean, you know me. There's no way I'm a better father than you. Nathan, do you ever think that I've ever had children that's walked away from me? Lord, all the time. Lord, you've had so many children that you blessed and that you loved. And God, you had such a great, deep relationship. And Lord, you had a, a moment. Lord, they've had so many hundreds, thousands, probably millions of, of children that have walked away from you. Nathan, do you think that was a result of my fathering ability? No, 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 not at all, God. I would never say that because, you know, I mean, you're the best father. Remember and say, Nathan, why do you take it so personal? I think that your children's decision is a reflection of your parenting ability. I've chosen your child. Give them the opportunity to choose. And at this moment in their life, they've chosen this way. But it doesn't mean it's a reflection of your parenting ability. And that truth, that truth has enabled me to pray for my children with faith and confidence rather than coming to the Lord with guilt, shame, and condemnation. Saying, God, I come to you with confidence because you said, Lord, whatever we ask for in prayer, believing we're gonna receive, God, and I know this is your will, so I'm gonna pray for my children with confidence and faith rather than, Lord, <laughs> I'm so, I feel so bad, rather than in guilt and shame and condemnation. I don't know whose fault it was. I don't know how Jesus got lost. I don't know. What I do know is this, that the entire time that Jesus was lost for three days, what I do know is that God the Father, Heavenly Father, knew exactly, he knew exactly where his son was. That first day as they're traveling, leaving Jerusalem on the way to Nazareth, the first day they get to the end, Joseph and Mary, like, do you have Jesus? I don't have Jesus. I thought you had him. Day number one. Day number two. They take a whole day number two to travel back to Jerusalem. Somehow they must sleep, rest if they can. Day number three, they find him. Day number three, they find him. And the whole entire time, every moment of the day, God the Father's looking down and says, you know what, Mary and Joseph, don't worry, I got him. I got him, he's okay. You can trust me. You can really, really, really trust me with your child. I got him. Okay, I see where he's at. Not only do I see where he's at, but I'm working in his life at this very moment. I'm working in his heart. I'm working in his life. I got him. I got him. 
And I, I'm not, you know, not to be hard on Mary and Joseph because that would be all of us. But had there been a moment somewhere in the midst of that journey that they could have, and maybe they did, but just to say, God, we know this child has been a gift to us. We know that the, the, the angelic visitations to each of us, God, we understand this. And so God, Lord, we trust you, God, in Jesus' name. Lord, you know where our son is. Help him today and be with him and protect him. The entire time, God knew. I think just a couple of promises. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, you know what? He's not gonna depart from us. He won't depart from it, from the faith. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slow about his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient to you, not wishing that any perish, but that everyone come to repentance. In the parable of the prodigal son, Jesus describes the prodigal son as one who had lost his senses. He says he lost his senses. Can I tell you, sometimes our kids lose our, their senses, right? I remember being a kid, and like some of the things I did, like I don't know what happened, I lost my senses some, somewhere along. And perhaps you hear this morning, you say, you know what, I have a child that has kind of lost their sense. They've lost their sense of direction. They've lost their sense of purpose. They've, lost their, they've walked away from their faith that we trained them up in, whatever it is, but they feel that they've just walked away. Maybe it's a grandchild. They've just kind of walked away from that. And the picture that Jesus paints of that is what's such a beautiful parable and a picture. The picture that Jesus paints is of the father, not just going about his work, but the father that's standing on the edge of the driveway waiting for his son. And when he sees the son a great distance, the only time in scripture it says God ran, the father ran, and embraced him and hugged him. And so you may be waiting, but I want you to know today, you are not waiting in vain and you're not waiting alone, but today God is waiting right beside you, with you. He's waiting with you and you can depend on that. Remember a couple of weeks ago, Mary and I were just, excuse me a second. Maybe just a little insight into to me as a pastor and just what I've experienced, but when God has called me, Mary and I, to a church to be to pastor, and this is the third church that we've pastored, but he's, it's, not, it's not been just to a church, but it's really been to a community. God has always called us to a community. Yes, to a church, but then it's much, always been much broader to a, a community, and personally, I feel here in, in Grand Forks, it's not just a community, but a region, a region. And it's, it's kind of such a unique thing for me. I don't know if other pastors experience this, I just know I do. And we, Mary and I have, have learned that over the course of time, after we've been in ministry a number of years, that after we've worked three, four months fully engaged, that we need to disengage for about a week and then do another three, four months. And there's just this rhythm of ministry that really has, we found works best. I find that I'm a better pastor, husband, everything, if I just have, have learned this rhythm. But it, so what, what's been so unique about it over the years is that when we, when we step away, and a couple, about a, a month ago, we stepped away, went to Airbnb in Minnesota, and Mary does water coloring, coloring and I do my fat uh, tire biking and, and, and just to get out in, in nature and refresh and join. And then we come back to town, and th this happened, we came back into town, unloaded the car, I had to come down to church to pick up something. And there's something that God has gifted, he, he gifts me with something. And I have this incredible awareness that Nathan, you are in the right place. 
And it's not that I've been questioning it. It's not that I, I'm not, I'm not, I've not been questioning it at all. I, I've not questioned it one iota. But God has just given me this thing that he gives this gift to me. He says, Nathan, I just want you to know that you're in the right place. That pastoring Freedom Church in Grand Forks, it's like sliding back into the saddle. This is where I want you. And there's a confidence. I just, I don't mean this to sound arrogant in, in any way, but I just know I'm 100% sure that this is the right place. And so a couple of weeks ago, after having coming back, Mary and I were seated at our piano in our, our living room, and we were just worshiping the Lord together a little bit. And I just felt the Lord say to me something. He said, Nathan, do you know how when you just came back, you had such a sense of confidence knowing that you're in the right place? And I says, God, yes, I know, I'm just so sure of that. He says, Nathan, I want you to have that same confidence in knowing this, that one day, your three sons, their wives and all of your grandchildren are gonna be gathered around the throne of heaven in worship and praise to me. And I just want you to have that same confidence and trust me with that. And tears began to come down my cheek and I said, God, are you serious? Really? I can have that confidence? He says, yes, Nathan. You can have that same confidence that you can be 100% sure that one day, that you're all gonna be gathered around the throne in worship and praise to me. And I said, thank you, God. And I shared that with Mary, and we just took some time just to bless the Lord and to thank him. Can I tell you something? God loves your children, and he knows where they are. He's got them. And his mom and dad, as we just cling to the cross, as we cling to the Savior and say, God, I'm all in. God, I need you. God, here they are. I entrust them to you. He takes them. And I believe that he'll give us that confidence as, as, as what he desires us to do. And so I want us to do this today. Uh, Jordan and the band, if you could please would come to the front and just begin to, uh, to, just to play a worship course today. I want us to do something today. If we could just bow our heads here as well as in Crookston. Uh, we're not gonna split quite yet, but let's just take a moment just to, to bow our heads. The Father in Jesus' name. Lord, I know there's a lot of parents here, a lot of parents in Crookston, a lot of parents wherever it may be watching. But Lord, I know it's not just for parents, but it's, it's Lord, maybe for our, for our parents, they have lost their way. Or for our siblings, they have lost their way. Or for our, maybe for our friends, they, they have lost their way. And Father, today in Jesus' name, we just ask that you would be with them today. And Lord, we pray for an incredible, incredible return, oh God. In the name of Jesus, that you draw them to yourself, oh God. Protect them, watch over them, speak to their hearts and their lives, oh God, in Jesus' name. And so Father, we just thank you, God. We trust you and we entrust our children, our son-in-laws, daughter-in-laws, Lord, our grandchildren, Lord, our entire families to you today. They're yours, oh God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And just, just, just before Crookston, we go a couple different directions. I wanna share one other thought here before we do that. Jesus was lost. His parents were greatly concerned. That all makes sense. 
But Luke uh, 2.46 says that when they found Jesus, after the three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And I was thinking something this week, I've never thought about this before, but it hit me this week, it said, did you ever wonder about what the teachers were doing? These were teachers. One scholar said they were doctors. I mean, they were leaders of their community. They probably had, they had their own children. And if you're sitting down with a three or 12 year old and after three days, wouldn't you say, maybe you ought to go find your mom and dad? Do you think, are you sure they're okay with this? Maybe you should go find your mom. But the Bible doesn't record they said anything. Did they raise a concern? Did they share anything? I don't know what's going on. The Bible doesn't say. And the thought that I, the takeaway for me was this, you know what? I know that God has children all around us that are lost. And so maybe, maybe God's looking to us to say, can I help you find your way back home? Can I help you? There are people in your life today that are lost. There are people in, in your life today that have maybe rebelled against the Lord and are, are just going off in their own direction. Perhaps today, God is saying, I want you to be that individual to speak into their lives and say, can I help you find your way back? So Father, help us today in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We'll take our opportunity to go different directions with crooks through this moment, but I want us just to bow our heads and I want you to know today, all of you here today, Man, again, God sees you. And if here today, if you're here today, you're like, I feel I'm kind of lost. I feel like I've kind of lost my way. And today God is calling me back. I would love just to pray with you. Not gonna have you single anybody out, but anybody would just say, Pastor Nathan, that's me. I feel like I'm just kind of lost my way and I, I need to find my way back today. Anybody today? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? You can put it down. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, thank you. You can put it down. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Can we just do this today? Can we just, let's just, I want us just to repeat this prayer together, all of us, all of us as a family. Can we say, dear Jesus, I come to you this morning and I need you. Forgive me for running my own direction, doing my own thing. I want to come back, come back to your heart. I accept you into my life to be my God, Lord, and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.